Mikey <laughs> is here in spirit. I was really hoping it wasn't going to be that because it just it <laughs> ruins everything. Yeah, I don't. I kind of also hate it too. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit on your side on this one <laughs> for whatever reason. It kind of bothers me. Want to do it again? Yeah. Five, four, three, two. Dan, you're nodding. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Oh, man. I missed something. I was nodding and my lips were moving, like in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. And it's like the third or fourth try where they're kind of like forcing <laughs> themselves not to nod. Or do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. So we got to do that. In five, four, three, two. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm back. I'm Tom. I'm with Dan and Steve. And that's it, because uh, apparently life gets in the way. So, and, and sickness and, and rot. And sickness. And so I don't want to say we did change the time of the schedule, so I don't really want to say the things we normally say to the guys that aren't here. Yeah. But I'm going to do it anyways. Fuck Warden. Fuck Mike. We tried to make it all work for them. Yeah, we did. We really did. Yeah. But. Ward has a legitimate excuse. He's working. And Mike is, I'm hoping, painting Nurgle's rotters right now. Maybe I don't know. appropriate. Yeah, right. Maybe. Hopefully. Uh, yes, he's, he's under the weather. Because goddamn, those models are pretty. I know. I know. Like, oh. Have I had a chance to talk about them since the 360s came out? Because uh, I've been off for know. a little while. I don't know. Um, but seriously, like, those Beastmen... Actually, look good. They're interesting. I'm not sure. I would. I wouldn't say they look good. They aren't as bad as I thought. And I honestly think it's how the face is painted that makes it look so like weirdly yep. compressed. Yeah, I like the hmm. the um, the linebacker guys. I can't remember what they're called. Bloaters. The bloaters. I really like the bloaters, and I also like the uh, other dudes, not the pest scores, but the other ones. The rotters. Yep. And you know what the best part of that entire kit is? What the nurgling eating the football. Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah, and it's so good. So good. Um, yeah, so... I want to pick up that kit just for that. Well, especially because now that you're going to be playing in a Blood Bowl tournament... Maybe. Not, and it's not that expensive. Maybe. We'll see. There's got to there's be spots that open up, but I, I'm going to try. I told you there already are. You just got to sign up. Okay. I will indeed. Problem solved? Yeah. Uh, well, oh. Ward's not here. I guess I, could, I guess I could use the fancy website. You did build it. Yes, I could use that. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay, you so... You could probably even hack your way to get it without paying. <laughs> Because you build it. Correct, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that might defeat the purpose. Well, just pay him in like a year. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it works. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's just jump into This Week in Hobby. Have you forgotten how we do the podcast? Yeah, man, I missed one episode and my brain's just like... Okay. This Week in Hobby. Uh, do you want to start, Dan? Because you hobbied a bunch. I saw photos. I did a lot of messing around with a Adeptus Titanicus Reaver Titan. Mm-hmm. So he's got the melt cannon. He's got a chain fist. He's got a very slightly screwed up pose that will cause me headaches when I go to. Did you reverse his subsidies? I did. <laughs> you got to reverse that so grind. He has a butt for a crotch and a crotch for a butt, but it will be fixable. 
Okay. The plates okay. with a little bit of fudging. Oh, you haven't fixed it yet. I was asking if you already well, fixed it. I'm not going to rip apart the hips to reverse it. I just slightly modified uh, the plates and the joint gotcha. areas so like they will gotcha. still fit. Because it's not going to matter. I, like the way it's set up, you'll you'll won't be able to see. Yeah, like yeah. structurally, it's very similar. It's just the attachment site for the um, the plate is a little different. Yep. So totally fixable, but um, it's mostly that one of the ankles kind of tweaked into a weird angle before the glue set. Mm-hmm. So when I go to add on the little struts and like the extra plates um, on the ankle, things might not line up properly um, around the shin plate. I'm a little bit worried that the angles are a little too severe for that. Would you say it was good glue work? It was not good glue work. <laughs> it was not at all. Well, you can just use the age-old uh, problem solver of battle damage. Yeah. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say, I you were just gonna say more super glue. No, that doesn't solve any problems. <laughs> <laughs> that makes them. That, one could say that exacerbates the problems. Well, no. If you just use enough super glue, you could just like turn the groin into a ball, and then re re sculpt it using a Dremel. If you very carefully Dremel out the super glue. At like really low speed, so it really doesn't just fucking shatter. shatter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That sounds like so much more work. I love it. Do it, Dan. It sounds like Dan's sort of MO. Actually. Yeah. What is the hardest way to do this that takes the most time but still gets a great looking process? Yeah. Resculpt the whole model into a pose that most people can't tell is resculpted because that's kind of the point, but all at the same time you're kinda of like, well fuck. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I'm I'm probably just gonna leave it. I already ripped apart the elbow joint to slightly tweak the angle a little bit. Sure, yeah. And I got away with it where it's not, like, visibly destroyed. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to push my luck again on that ankle because that ankle is, like, six or seven different pieces. Gotcha. So the odds of screwing something up are much higher, but um, I should be able to live with it and survive. But, yeah, so that one's done. (coughs) Or done being assembled, except for I think I need to clean, like, one piece, and then all the sub-assemblies are ready to prime and then paint and then smush it all together. Cool. And um, did you hobby on anything else, or was it just the reaver? It was mostly putzing around with the reaver. I was also sick last week, so I got very little work done. Yep, yep. But um, cool. Yeah, mostly just that for actual hobby stuff. I'm probably forgetting something else that I distracted myself with because there's no way I built a titan without being distracted by something. I just can't remember what it was. Gotcha. Fair enough. For myself, uh, I am on like total random hobby project kick because we're we're not going to really talk about it. But the forty at the time of recording. Hopefully this week this changes, but at the time of recording, the 40K FAQ is not out. So I haven't really figured out exactly what I want to take to Vegas because I'm kind of way on that. So I've just been doing random stuff. Um, just killing I, time? Yeah. Uh, still hobbying and doing things that I normally wouldn't do. So I got um, I got one of the Admech drills finished, which kind of fits in with one of my armies, but um, got one of the termite drills done. Uh, I finished up a Calidus Assassin. Uh, one of the models from the Execution Force way back that I just hadn't got around to doing. Yep. Uh, it's a cool model, so I worked on that, finished it up. Put together 10 custodes, uh, which was kind of off the wall. I wanted to get... Uh, I had the, the three um, Virtus Praetors, and like, which everybody uses as shield captains and whatever else. Um, so I went and bought another box of custodes, um, combined that with my uh, box from uh, Burning a Prospero, yeah. So now I have a full-on battalion because you only need squads of three. So I have, <laughs> I have nine custodes, three shield captains on Donnie little jet bikes, and a Vexilla Praetor, which is like a thousand points, which is hilarious. Yeah, that is a lot of points for not a lot of dudes. No, it, it's it's literally thirteen models, and it's it's eleven hundred points because I think with the thousand points that I have there, it's without one of the um, shield captains. Damn. Um, so it's it's a lot of points, but anyways. 
uh, did that. I also did up some terrain. It's not finished by any stretch, but I got all the base coat on one of the Sector Mechanicum pieces. Yep, yep. Looking um, good. All the, all the rust sort of stuff, so it's playable for terrain. I don't really care. I'll probably come back to it another year, knowing me. Um, and I also finished up five racks for my Dark Eldar. <laughs> it was been, it's been a productive, uh, productive week. Oh, and I put together a Blood Bowl team. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of all over the place. Totally all you over the place. You were not kidding. Uh, but actually a lot more hobbying than usual. I guess I uh, missed the last one, I think, right? The last podcast. It might have been, and this might be three weeks. Maybe? I think this is three weeks because no, we pushed this you, one back. Yeah, it yeah, did. so it's three weeks. So it's a little longer than normal, but still, I think for three weeks, that, it feels like I was super productive. So it's good. Man, I feel like I did nothing because I just painted a Blood Bowl team. Oh, <laughs> well, you at least finished something. Yeah, no, the whole team was finished up. Uh, did the Chaos Chosen. Mm-hmm. And, man, those are actually pretty nice models. The Beastmen, I was really happy with how they went together. Uh, there's some weird gaps under, like, the shoulder pads on the Warriors. Yeah, they build in kind of weird ways that I wouldn't have expected. But they painted up really nice, really easy. I uh, did that team up for uh, a raffle for a food bowl that we ran last weekend. And I painted that up in, like, because I was away for a while, so I ended up putting them together on, like, Tuesday or Wednesday and then painting them up before Sunday. Cool. So, so. not a lot of sleep involved. No, so I think I'm still kind of recovering from the fact that I just didn't sleep all weekend. So I'm a little bit <laughs> yeah, like probably fine. Ah, fuzzy. I, I, those weekends, like for me, that's always after a tournament. After a tournament, the Monday when I get to work, I'm always just like, I should have like slept or something. Yeah. This is terrible. Uh, I know what you mean. So other than that, I uh, played a couple games, various things. I guess I went to a War Machine tournament and a Blood Bowl tournament. Cool. Back so, to back. Back to back. Oh, excuse me. And I'm very sneezy, apparently. So I'm going to apologize in advance, because that's probably just going to happen. Um, okay, so shut up and take my money. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go last, because I haven't even thought of it yet. Okay. I've got a, a bunch. I'm not going to buy you too much time. Uh, mostly, it's all the things that I talked myself out of pre-ordering for Fallout, I now want. Even though my actual starter set type stuff isn't here yet. Yep. But... I'm going through online, and people are starting to post pictures of their painted stuff, and a lot of it is stuff that I didn't buy, and I want it. Gotcha. It, it's a problem. My uh, shut up and take my money is not anything not GW, because, again, as we talked about before, there's just too much. There's too much. That's all you do? So, ordered today two of the Necromunda Rogue Traders, or not Rogue Traders. Bounty uh, Hunters? I'm running two things that I want together. Uh, Bounty Hunters mm-hmm. uh, picked up the... I can't remember his name. The one we talked about, Iramos or whatever the hell it is. One of the bounty hunters that's got the weird Slagmist. Uh, Slagmist Iramos, something, something or like that. Water dude and Belladonna. Uh, mm-hmm. Picked up those. I also picked up uh, Blart Smash Rip because uh, who doesn't want a hilariously fat rat ogre for their Skaven Bubble team? Um, hopefully it shows up before Onslaught so I can paint it up and get it in the list. It should. And you know, honestly, man, worst case scenario is you can just go into Red Claw and grab one, and then like. Sell the one that you forge rolled. Yeah, I guess I could. Do they have them there? Yeah. Oh man, interesting. Probably have them at Thunderground too. Okay, well I saved Kyle some shipping. Anyways, yeah. Uh, that's beside the point. And then the <laughs> other one that we were talking about before is I still need to pick up Rogue Trader. There's still a bunch of models in there. I know um, we've talked a little bit about how some of the Imperials are not that amazing, but I actually really feel in some of the Nurgle stuff, like for 40k, which is weird because I really don't like Chaos stuff, but I kind of want to paint some Chaos stuff. And it's going to give you a way to play Kill Team. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, that's kind of the other nice piece about it. Because I, I don't have anything else that would work for that. 
No, but the actual <laughs> board and stuff, like the sure, yeah, 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 the, yeah. and the tokens and all those little yeah. accessory pieces yeah. to play yeah. Kill Team. No, that you yeah, that, that's fair. That's totally fair. Does that say come with the rule book? No. Oh, okay. interesting. So I need to pick up a rule book. Oh. Not the full rule book, anyways. Yeah, well, I still am thinking about picking up the uh, set with the uh, buildings and the rule book. The original set? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, still a good deal. Still not sure about that. We'll see. Well, you can always use more Mechanicas. Yeah, do I, though? I just already. I still have another box of uh, Skitari that I haven't put together. I bought just for weapons options. Well, why not have to? Again. Maybe. There's actually a couple of us I've been talking about with running like a horde of Skitari, but anyways. Yeah. That's me. Oh, man. Um, well, you know what? Oh, what is it called again? Uh, Night Vault. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Warhammer Underworlds Season 2. Night Vault. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first one was Shadespire. Yeah. 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 Which I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen with everyone where, like, we all knew it was not Shadespire. It was Warhammer Underworlds. But we all just fucking called it Shadespire anyway. Yeah. You're going to play a game of Shadespire? Yeah, totally. So I'm curious to see, like, how this is going to... Want to play a game of Warhammer Underworlds? It doesn't have the same ring. Shadespire was good for that. It was just, like, that short and sweet name. Yeah, it's the same reason why people say never said, do you want to play a game of Warhammer? They always said, do you want to play a game of 40K? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just dumb. So, like, is it going to be, hey, you want to play a game of Nightfall? Like, no, man, I prefer Shadespire. Well, the like, rules are different, which is something to be uh, to note. Like, the way the tokens apply to models um, for their activations. Like, there, I don't remember exactly how it works, but there is the, like, if you charge or whatever, you have to place a charge token beside your model that then takes away from your activations or makes it harder or something later on. Huh. They are changing that ever so slightly. They mentioned it in, like, the how does Night Vault apply to the old war bands? And they were talking about how um, your undead from the old war bands, when they die, they lose their tokens, which somehow makes them better because they don't hmm. have those tokens reducing their activations or whatever it is. Well, why don't we just, like, segue this into talking about Nightfall? Because sure. it's, you know, it, it feels weird that, you know, there's been so many releases in the last couple weeks, but because it hasn't been, like, a massive, earth-shattering release, I feel like nothing's been released. Like, they've just kind of secretly released, like, the new 40K starter set and... Uh, don't worry, there'll be another one. Yeah. Not like, a big deal yeah. anymore. Okay, so I guess what we were talking about, though, is like in terms of the stuff that's coming out this week that we're kind of like, oh, there's nothing coming out. There's Wake the Dead, which is a brand new starter set for 40K. Yep. Again. Um, which is Marines, Shock, and Eldar. Uh, and it's following the sort of the pattern of two characters, two new sculpts, and then a bunch of old stuff. Yep. Um, then you've also got uh, Night Vault coming out, which is follows the same pattern as before. Yep. Two new warbands. Yeah, new starter set. New starter set. Yep. Um, and the only difference there, though, that I feel like there is a difference because the Night Vault one you need to pick up if you want to play Underworlds. Yeah, like competitively, you don't need to pick it up. That's but it's also only going to be seventy bucks, right? Like, so I'm pretty yeah. excited about it and thinking like I was debating whether or not I was going to throw money at some of those Forge World Commando bits, and yeah. then I was like, oh fuck, it's like forty or fifty bucks for. Six heads and six backpacks. And wait to see what comes out in October. Well, and that's just it, too, right? Like, uh, I think for me, I'm almost in a bit of a holding pattern for October. Because yeah. there's all of this, like, press about, just wait, October's going to be amazing. Yeah. And they showed us a bunch of new models and said, and there's going to be more. And then I just had to wait a month. Yes. Which, when you're coming out with a new starter set, like, every three days, yeah, it feels, it feels like, like an eternity. I, I know what you mean, yeah, for sure. Um... The thing about the, the Night Vault that's interesting, though, is 
so you are getting nothing but new models, right? Like they're not. There's no resculpts in there. Um, and I really want to get the uh, the Night Haunt. Actually. Oh my god, they look so cool. good. Um, and what's also interesting about that release too is all the um, play aids we kind of talked about before. Yep. Like the gaming map that's coming out with it for organizing your cards and all that sort of stuff, um, and also terrain finally for the game. So it's a little bit more of an involved release when you start looking at it that way. But yeah, you're right. It's not like Rogue Trader or some of the other releases we've had recently where it's like just crazy new models, tons of stuff all over the place. This is just a little bit more under the radar. But this whole discussion is still like six weeks maybe worth of product. Yeah, totally. <laughs> not even. It's like four. Rogue Trader, I don't even think that came out over a month ago. Came out last weekend. <laughs> like it's so absurd to think about I having a hard time even thinking about other manufacturers release schedule of like you know things that are coming out because I'm so inundated with games workshop stuff right totally. now just like just like slapping me in the face all the time you can't look away I feel like it's exactly that it's like hey don't look away just hitting you don't, don't look over there don't you turn to the left whack yeah. you turn to the right whack yeah, exactly yeah yeah totally um Although I guess what we're trying to get at is whether or not this these sort of like new starter sets, uh, especially for 40k, like we've had this one and um, Tooth and Claw, Tooth and Claw, thank you, the the Space Wolf and uh, Gene Sealer one, and Forge Bane, and Forge Bane, Forge Bane was a while ago though. Now that was uh, like a whole six months ago or something, wasn't it? So yeah, six months. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, dude, because it was a couple. It was like a month after LVO. They fucking previewed the Armagers at LVO. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Cryptech. The Cryptech, those were all previewed. At, that's like six months ago. Holy yeah. bananas. I feel like that was a year ago. Yeah, I know. Like, oh. just think of how much, like, how much stuff has come out since we were at LVO last yeah, year. Yeah, and I guess you're right. The only new things in those kits were the Armagers and the Cryptech. The Cryptech yeah. So a little different than, like, two characters, which we've seen since, but it's kind of the same formula. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Anyway, so uh, one of, some of the things I'm really excited about for Night Vault. Yeah. Does that sound right? Night Vault? Night Vault? I okay. think I said Night Fault, but whatever. Yeah. My fault, I guess. Yeah. Uh, hee hee. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's really cool because it's introducing magic into the game. Yeah. And I'll be, I'd be lying if I said I've actually read anything about how exactly this fucking works, but the fact that it's going to be another facet to the game is actually kind of exciting for me because I found that with uh, Warhammer Underworld's Shadespire, I definitely felt that it got... The more I played it, it started feeling kind of stale because it was everyone was really doing the same thing the same way. So adding a few more layers, I think, will hopefully make the game give the game a little more playability. Did you ever play with the ranged uh, storm uh, uh, stormcasts? No, no, because I wonder if they would have made that a they, little different. They also have sweet birds. They do have sweet birds. Yeah, like maybe. Uh, but the other thing, in my too, mind, it's just an, it's just a different way of doing ranged combat. Yep. But on top of that, some of these factions have models that can move through terrain. Yeah. So like the. The Night Haunt. The Night Haunt are basically ethereal. Yeah. And some of the new Goblin stuff has flight. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. The, the squig with wings. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm really interested to see how what the models are going to look like for some of these factions, because the artwork, it's nice because it seems to be really breaking from, you know, where Shadespire was for the aesthetic. And it's not, it's not just the same factions getting a new kit either. It's like... Seraphon and Sylvaneth and Cardaron Overlords and stuff like that, like multiple green skins, I think. Yeah, well, one is like a goblin set with like just squigs and goblins. The other one seems to be some kind of weird monstery one with a troll and a winged squig or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's one may involve a lot more mushrooms than the other. 
No, they both have lots of mushrooms. <laughs> but that kind of makes sense, right? Because that's like the the corn bloodbound. Um, have the two factions, one where it's yeah. a little bit more just the warrior types, then you've got the one that's got Karanak or whatever the hell the the flesh hound corn is. Yeah, it's like Marauders and Chaos Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two totally different teams. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but the play style. Oh, and Zinch. Zinch is gonna yeah, which actually looks cool. Uh, some of them a uh, little like. Um, Rumored sort of that one with the single eye, the caster that's clearly got a single eye. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, if it's anything to go by, um, blanking on the name of the game now that had the Silver Tower. Silver Tower had all the Zinch stuff. Yep. If it's sculpted by the same guy that did that or uh, team or whatever, even just in the same style, the same style exactly. Yeah. That the the Silver Tower caster guy. What was his name? The main bad guy. Gaunt Summoner. Gaunt Summoner. That model was sweet. Yeah. And if it's that same sort of like spindly single eye magic user kind of thing, I'm like it's gonna be cool. And like the Zangors type yeah. guys or the Acolyte type guys or whatever, those those were all really yeah. good looking models. Another game like this that I completely forgot about, Silver Tower. Yeah, it is amazing <laughs> how much we love that game and how we just forget it exists for like nine months at a time because there's so much other content. Yeah, well, I, it's really kind of weird, <clears throat> weird kind of cho- picking choosing what to play. But anyways, get back to the. The Night Vault for at least a few more minutes. Yeah, um, it's weird to think that six months six months from now there's going to be sixteen playable factions for that game. Yeah, which I mean gives you a ton of variety in the game, uh, which is cool because if it is GW's like, um, I, I want to say their answer to Magic: The Gathering, in some ways, um, like a little bit more balance in some ways, a little bit more CCG, but still introduce you to um, to the like the Warhammer universe kind of thing. Um, I can see this, that being good for the game, right? Where you go to a tournament and you don't play the same faction all the time. If they get it right. Yeah, and I think, I remember we had this conversation a bunch way back uh, when Shadespire first came out, was like, assuming they don't fuck it up. Because it's sound, they've officially announced the fact now that all of the cards from Shadespire are going to work with all of the cards from... Uh, Nightfall. Yeah, it sounds Night like you still vault. build your twenty card ploy, and um, yeah. I can't remember what the other types of cards are, but the ploy the and well, there, no, there's the ploys and the upgrades, upgrades, and then you have your objectives, twelve twelve yeah. card thing. It's gonna be apparently the same. Uh, you just have more boards to play with now and that kind of stuff. So really, at the end of the day, the mechanics are very similar. Uh, it makes sense. What I'm also interested in, and we kind of talked about this though, is do you need Night Vault's cards? Like, do you need to pick up every faction? to get all the cards, to make the best deck to win. Yeah, and I imagine... There's a little bit of the pay-to-play thing going on. If you are that, like, top-tier one to kick ass and take names at Warhammer Underworlds, you sure. probably want them all. But one of the things that I found often with uh, when I was playing uh, Shadespire was that most people were playing with decks that were, like, 90% the deck that the faction comes with. Maybe one or two other cards sprinkled in for flavor. Well, yeah, because you're, you're, the deck that your faction comes with doesn't have any of the starter set stuff, so you usually have some starter set stuff plus your faction sort of Yeah, thing. plus maybe a few yeah. relics or whatever. And, yeah, and it also makes sense because you can't bank on just getting the best cards because it is a random hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and at the same time, like Magic the Gathering, you have to buy the new cards. Yep. You can't really get away playing Magic tournaments without buying the new stuff. That's how their whole business model works. So people don't buy a deck and then never come back and buy any cards from the game. Yeah. Right? So it makes sense to me to have, like, a starter set that every year you have to buy. They tweak the rules. They do that. You get some new cards. Keeps the revenue flowing so they don't go to business. I mean, at the same yep. time, GW's not going to go to business because Shadespire <laughs> doesn't do well right now. 
Um, no, but it'll help. I actually, you know, you talk about magic, but I also feel like it's a game that can go toe to toe with X Wing. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's very similar, more similar to X Wing than Magic for sure. And I just got cards. I definitely have a little bit of the concern, like with X Wing, where in the beginning with X Wing, you could make that sales pitch of very low barrier to entry. Like, you only need a handful of shifts to get started. You can be more or less competitive for like 100 bucks, maybe 150 bucks, kind of a thing, whatever. But then over time, when there was like 30, 40, 50 different ships up there and you needed cards from virtually every pack to make lists work. Yeah. It became it was no longer a cheap um, you know, entry yeah. level game. Like if you want to play a tie defender list or stuff like that, you need a yeah, you, you want to you play something weird. You wouldn't just need three tie defenders. Like you would need to get the upgrades from yeah. this and the upgrades from that and all these other things that are spread out over all these different even different factions with the sets. The one and there's I, a bit of a concern I have for Underworlds getting similar because there's just such an aggressive schedule. I 100% agree with that. I think there is a concern there. The one thing that I'm going to come back to, I think that mitigates it a bit is like with X-Wing you bought your your list with points and you bought your upgrades uh, and your upgrades were static and you were guaranteed them. Right. Whereas with Shadespire, you could get a bad hand, and you don't get your upgrades at the right time, or whatever. Yeah. So, and putting it in perspective, like let's say by the time Night Vault um, is fully released, you've bought everything for Shadespire, everything for Night Vault. Sixteen factions times they're thirty-five bucks a pop. It's uh, including both starter sets. Assuming you're not buying accessories for every single one you buy, it's five hundred and sixty bucks full retail. I was gonna say. You're going to buy all the accessories. No, but like... I have all the sleeves. Yeah, if you want yeah. all the card sleeves, you might have to double that total. They are not cheap. No. Not like 10 bucks a pack. I thought they were significantly more than that. I think they're more than 10 bucks, man. Oh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> so like... But your baseline for just the shit to play, 560 yeah. for 16 factions... No, it's not bad. Is... It's I mean, still it's, less than a 40k army. And you're again, you're not going to buy all 16 factions, because even if you're playing super hardcore, you probably... I'm going to go with don't need all 16 because you can't use them all. Yeah. You, no. Well, there's only, what, 20 cards in your deck? Total? Exactly. And the reality is you're only getting a handful of generic cards in each faction anyways. So you yeah. can look online and figure out, okay, I really need this card. It's with those guys. So maybe you're buying one extra box. The rabbit holes, then you're like, oh, I may as well paint these guys and play with them. And then yeah. they need the card from this box. And then you <laughs> just kind of escalate. But if you look at it in terms of, like, if your hobby, if this was your game, yeah, and your hobby, hobby expenditure was like, 50 bucks a month, which is, I oh, think, it's nothing. which is basically nothing in the grand scheme of miniature gaming. That gets you... In the grand, in miniature gaming, which is kind of shocking, like back in the day when blisters were $8 or $10 or whatever, it's crazy to think that now we're like, 50 bucks a month? It's absolutely nothing on miniatures compared to like yeah. a squad yeah. of Primaris Marines or like, Give me bucks. two years and I'll have a playable army, at which point the meta will have shifted and it'll be a useless army. At least back then it was stable enough. But like... So if, if this is yeah. a game, if you're wanting to kind of casually play, you want to have lots of options and mix it up, it seems like this is going to be a great way to just kind of... Because can you imagine if your hobby project for the month was painting three to seven models? Well, one of the things I didn't even mention when I was doing my custodes, I was just like, oh, I'll just also throw in the uh, Shadespire Stormcasts. They're yeah. gold. So I did those because they're three models. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's nothing. But, like, in terms of a fairly sustainable hobby, like, that wouldn't be too bad, you know? No, I actually think that it's, it's pretty smart from GW to uh, to have, like, the the Cadillac uh, version of the, the systems, which are AOS and 40K. Yeah. And then do the Kill Team and uh, Shadespire thing or Underworlds. Um, I think I think that makes a lot of sense from how you get people, like, just like a car company, right? You have your Halo car at the top. And you have your 
entry-level car at the bottom, yep. right? You get the brand loyalty because people want the Acura NSX, but they're going to go buy a Honda Civic, right? Like, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Um, and it looks cool. The models look great so far. Um, I like that they're kind of advancing the fluff a little bit about it, too, mm-hmm. which makes it pretty exciting that it seems like it's not just going to be a static thing. And if yeah. you're getting the occasional warband that's like um, a tip of the hat or whatever towards like a future release, that, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Like, ideally, they start testing some of the new factions or like, an idea for a new faction. In like weird mushroom people, goblin thingies. Yeah, yeah I feel like we're probably going to see a goblin release for AOS pretty soon. Well, October would make sense to follow that up with something goblin-ish. Like goblin November? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the alliteration's a little poor. It, it was weak. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, no, I think, I think Night Vault, all in all, it sounds like... Again, I don't have a problem with it. Like, if you have every year a new version of the game comes out, it has all the rules, new players can just pick that up, have fun playing that, and yeah, it, cool with it. And it costs less than half what a 40k starter set does? Yeah. That does not hurt. Yeah, and it's also it's a board game, too, so you can get a bunch of people in playing. It's a little, little easier. And I think one of the things that would be really interesting to see is having different formats around deck building so yeah. that you could have the tiers of... Okay, you want full hardcore um, Warhammer Underworlds, where any cards are go. It's 12 and 20, or whatever. Or, But, like, where you can use whatever combination of cards you want in terms, like, within the confines of oh, the rules. Oh, you're talking, like, a comp system or something. Yeah, or, like, hey, let's have a, a system where you can only use the cards that come in your box and the starter set cards. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That'd be cool. So that it has different options for people wanting to play. Yeah, I can see that. Right? And I could see that being pretty fun, too, so that your more casual guys go to the events where it's like, okay, as long as I have the starter set and whatever box I want to play, Mm -hmm. I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, you don't get steamrollered out? Pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, variety's good, and I think that people should be mixing things up with all the games they play. And I think that Shadespire or Night Vault or Warhammer Underworlds, as we want to call it, I'm still not. I'm never going to fucking call it that. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Eventually, when we're on like season seven or whatever the hell it is, it'll be Underworlds because you'll have 50 different names you're remembering at that point in time. Well, actually, seven by my <laughs> example. So true, yeah. true. Well, yeah, well seven. said. <laughs> Maybe we just call it Underworlds instead of Warhammer Underworlds. But even then, it just doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Yeah, and Underworlds is always going to be uh, about somebody in a black skin clad skin clad suit. You know who I'm talking about? Underworlds. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Underworlds yeah. has a different connotation. <laughs> you know what's funny? Didn't even think of it. <laughs> well, you clearly haven't seen Underworlds enough. <laughs> no, nah, a couple times. Not lately. It's also not Underworlds. There's no S. It's oh, is just it Underworld. just Underworld? Yeah. Apparently, I haven't seen it enough either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so shitty vampire movies from the early 2000s are not our forte. No. Who knew? Um, Twilight, however, we got that shit on lockdown. Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll agree with that. I'm team Edward? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Don't ask me who the other one is, because <laughs> I will not be able to tell you. Uh, I don't. Should we move on? <laughs> no, I feel like we need to talk about Twilight some more. And no, no, we don't. We really don't. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it looks cool. I'm hoping to get playing a little bit more. I've signed up for Onslaught to play it there, 
I, which I would actually play it. I didn't uh, know Twilight was an onslaught. Right? Yeah, it's Twilight well, roleplay. Largely, I'm just going to, like, cover myself in glitter and run outside. It's actually a Twilight fanfic comp- uh, competition. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I thought it was a cosplay comp. With with fanfic, you have to do both. Oh, right, because we're doing a Twilight best, o- best overall is a combination. Could you imagine? So, like, last year at Onslaught, there was that, uh, like, super weird Euro dance party. Literally, and we're not being we're not being weird. It was called Euro Dance Party. We yeah. Were, we were quite surprised by the signage. Anyways, could you imagine if this year, like, the bar was booked for some kind of weird, like, vampire the masquerade LARP thing? That... That would be pretty cool. I mean, at the same time, the Euro dance party was pretty Eastern European, so I don't think it's a big stretch to like go to like full Transylvania thing. Yeah, right. Uh, it'd be okay. <laughs> I think it'd be entertaining because I really I want to see some. I just want to see something funny at the venue this year. Yeah, I, I'm with like you. Weird. something as bizarre as as the like. We should we should also specify this is not a place that you would expect like a nightclub to be. Yeah, it was Industrial Park between Sherwood Park and Edmonton. Yeah, uh, it was just a weird In a hotel location, bar, weird location for. <laughs> A Euro dance already. <laughs> um, although I'm going to make sure, and I recommend anyone who's planning on staying in the hotel that night, make sure you bring a button-up shirt just in case. Just in case a Euro dance party breaks out. Those Could, people were well-dressed. Yeah, we yeah. did not fit in. Yeah, I was. I kind of wanted to go in and see, but like, I felt like such a scrub. I was wearing a Warhammer t-shirt. I think actually an X-Wing t-shirt. I did not fit in with that crowd at all. I was thinking I was wearing my Hobby Night shirt. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. Well, it was actually great. It's a great tournament, just yeah. not good for our, our uh, ability to sneak in. You know what's also great? Hmm. Hobby Night in Canada merchandise. Yeah, that's a great plug right there, Tom. Yeah, because we have that Threadless store now. We should have a line of club wear. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like Adidas tracksuits with Hobby Night shit on it? Just really shitty graphic tees. Deodora logo. Like, we need to get, like, a instead of those girls sitting back-to-back, it's like two paintbrushes. Or like Ed Hardy style Hobby Night in Canada. Oh, that'd be so good. Just bedazzled. <laughs> and just make sure that it's all sprayed with some kind of shitty cologne before it's shipped. Yes, that would nice. be amazing. So like, it, you just open it up and all you think, think or, for yourself is douche. Or just spray the douche. inside of the box with a shitload of dull coat. <gasps> that would also Ooh. work. Because that is pungent. That would also work. <laughs> or black primer. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> one flap gets black primer, one flap gets dull coat, seal it up and go. We are on a tangent. Oh, okay, but here's a, there's three of us. Yeah. Our shut up and take my money and like this weekend hobby was short as Yeah, we've got, we've got a little bit of time to burn. Yeah, we're, sure. we're yeah, we have about a 20 minute gap from Mike not uh, telling us what he did in the last couple weeks. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, so I know we were kind of talking about the new starter sets coming out. I do want to quickly touch on the 40k stuff uh, yeah. after the whole Night Vault thing. Um, I want to know what you guys think of it. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing, these like constant releases of starter sets? Well, I, honestly for me, because the pricing on them is all really good, yeah, I can't see it as a bad thing. Even though you can't get the models uh, immediately outside of those sets, like let's say you wanted an Armager Warglaive, you couldn't get it until uh, six months later, or well, a month later. Normally, it's like it, normally it's been one in three months. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, just like honestly, like it's so. And there's no shortage of people looking to part out the starter sets um, in some of the Facebook groups and whatnot. Whenever there is one of these new starter sets out. So we're all, you guys are both on the same page that it's it's not a bad thing. For consumers, I think it's great. I th- I'm curious as to whether or not it's a long-term great idea for Games Workshop as a company. Because what they're ending up doing is flooding the second-hand market. Yeah. So I'm really, because they're selling so much extra shit to people. Yeah. Because let's say you like one half of the box. And really, by the time you, like, if you only want one half... You're maybe only like forty bucks extra. Okay, so but the other thing is we've you guys have completely glazed over the fact that there's a this is like part of a campaign box. There's the whole Vigilus campaign 
um, that they're kind of pushing is like in a lot of ways like Armageddon where everybody's ending up on this planet they're all fighting and it's, it's a way to get involved with these particular narrative missions do you care about that or is it just a good deal well, if, if one of my primary factions is involved in it, I'm at least somewhat drawn in. Um, there's so many factions out there, and the majority of which I don't collect. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of cases, I'm kind of like, eh, towards random fluff. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like a major, major campaign. But This is kind of supposed to be a major, major campaign. It's, it's more important than Armageddon. It definitely sounds more Whoa. important than I initially figured. Mm-hmm. And because it is really like that one staging area in the Imperium to get From across. one Imperium to the other. Yeah. Imperium secondus, for lack of a better term. Uh, so it's supposed to be, like, bigger because it's the only place through the Noctis Labyrinthus. You know, I think, and I'm going to be a bit, little bit of a broken record here, mm-hmm. but I think I would give way more of a shit about that side of stuff if the default wasn't 2KITC. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if there was a lot, if I knew a lot more guys... Um, and admittedly, like, I know you're open to this stuff, so I'm not trying to throw you into the bus or anything. Yeah. But if I knew, like, as like the local community as a whole was embracing it more and, like, okay, so there's this campaign coming out. Let's see what we can do out of, like, Roy's or Thunderground or they're both, fuck, that's the same place. See? <laughs> Civ Brain or, like, Red Claw or one of the, uh, like, King's Court or something and they're doing sure, yeah. more of that stuff. I might get more excited about the campaign side of things. Like, had some kill teams, some small games, some big games, maybe a mega battle, like, just some kind of variety. Like that would all tie into that. Yeah, I would be way what more if we jazzed were to about do this. Will Silence. we? Uh, the only reason I say this is because on this podcast we have talked about starting at least fifteen campaigns. Yeah. for various different game systems. <laughs> well, that's the thing though is various different game systems. Nobody's really taken it and ran with it. I've always liked the forty k side of things. I would be much more interested in doing this than a drop zone campaign or an AOS or kill team or whatever. Uh, and also, the other thing that I'm not great at, I'm well aware of this, is is coming up with the background for these stories, right? That's right. the hardest part. So if you're facilitating something that GW is doing, which they're giving you the missions, they're giving you the different formats for kill team, that kind of stuff. You just got to get off your ass and play some games. You just got to do it and set up some matches and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think this is this is way more accessible than any other campaign we've talked about outside of maybe a Necromunda campaign because they've got rules in the book for that. Right? Yeah. Like, if if that was a thing, I'd probably be more excited about it. So if there's a community that was embracing the narrative side of these box deals, which really, at the end of the day, are to sell you miniatures. I yep. mean, um, so I guess what we're coming back to, does it matter for the fluff? It sounds like no. I, I want it to. Okay. You're on the same page of... Maybe. Kind of. To be honest, I'm a lot more invested in the 30k fluff than any of the modern 40k era stuff. Just Sure, yeah. I'm like 50-odd books deep in that narrative and praying for it to end at some point, which apparently it will. Yeah. They had a meeting to talk about... It's like when they decided to wrap up the Fast and Furious with like at least another couple trilogies. Yeah, exactly. So like, you finish reading the announcement and they're like, oh no, they are making like five more. It's fine. Yeah. Um, So I feel like the Horse Heresy is kind of going the same way. Interesting. The, the Horse Heresy proper is ending, but the Siege of Terra is starting as a separate series. Yeah. And who knows how long that's going to get drawn out. Yeah. And the, the Secrets Revealed article was basically saying, we will reveal more secrets at the next Weekender type thing. There are We're revealing the fact that there are secrets. Yeah. We're not saying what they are. That's not the kind of secrets revealed that we meant. We're so, revealing that there are secrets. So They did that with Blood Bowl, too, by the way, where they're like... 
big talk about development stuff. Announcing the announcement? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for myself, I think the, the background for these particular expansions would be a lot more interesting if you didn't have to buy the expansion to get the background. That's fair. Yeah. Um, like I could see the campaign books for like 40, 50 bucks, like the way they used to. Totally. And not only, well, not even necessarily doing that, but, but run the Armageddon campaign, right? Like run that style, throw a website together, uh, release some content for free. Uh, and I bet you that that's going to be, you're going to lose money on writing that content or whatever. But if you're already doing it for these box sets that aren't necessarily, people aren't really looking at, cause I haven't really t- run into anybody that's like, oh, I can't wait to play wake the dead. Cool. Um, Especially even like White Dwarf is a great resource to have. Totally. Yeah, you can like, put in right, White Dwarf. Right? Yeah, I, don't, I can't imagine these are large rules pamphlets. All right. No, most of the rules pamphlets they've got these days are between four and eight pages. So yeah, you throw that in White Dwarf, um, have some sort of like global tracker type thing, which, which you could probably do with not too much effort, I'd imagine. Um, do that and then still release these box sets alongside and make them uh, applicable to the campaign. And that way you can phase them out when the campaign's over. You don't have to worry about keeping the skew around. Um, anyways, that's my thought on it. So I, I like them from the same point. They're a consumer thing, but I really wish the campaign materials were separate. Yeah, I can see that. Are you looking at buying it? Uh, well, again, I want the, I want the spirits here, but I don't need more Wraith Guard at all. No. Um, <laughs> I don't care about the Space Marines at all. Um, and I don't really need the Guardians. I mean, Guardians are Guardians. You can always have more. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And I, I Falcon, I have three chassis sitting in a box. So I don't need that either. Um, yeah, the, a lot of times when I see a lot of these kits, they're like, there's one of the character models that I want, and that's it. Yeah, it's the same thing with Forge Main, right? The reason I didn't pick up Forge Main is because all I needed was the Armagers. So I waited until the Armagers came out. Admittedly, uh, the Armagers are like $90. Yeah, they are not cheap. So, but like Tooth and Claw, I just want the Abominant. That's it. Yep, I hear you. I'm not picking up a Gene Stealer Cult, but I wouldn't mind having uh, one of the models to paint, which was the Abominant. Um, even though I do have a Tyranid army, it's just one of those, again, GW has too many releases. I can't keep up. Can't do a gene circle. You got to pick your battles, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah, I think so anyways, night vault, totally on board. Can't wait. I think it's awesome. Super excited about that. Going to pick it up and probably going to pick up the map that comes with it. Um, the, the, the 40 K stuff. Don't really care. Yeah. If it's a good deal and I want some stuff in there, maybe, but basically it's a glorified get started box. Yep. And so. great for people that are getting into the game. Yep. Especially because it's nice that um, two buddies who are like, what's this 40K thing? Oh, it's yeah. really cool. They can now choose from like three different boxes. Where yeah, they I'm each thinking about, a- yeah, exactly. Like if I had a uh, buddy of mine that wants to play Space Wolves, can't think of anybody that who would listen to this podcast that, that likes Space Wolves, uh, and I want to play Tyranids, you pick up that box, right? Yeah. yeah. Certainly yeah. nobody named Dale. Yeah, exactly. Who? <laughs> <laughs> silence. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was trying to think if there's anything I could say to follow that up, but I'm like, I think awkward silence is probably the best. Correct. Um, so, this might just be the awkward silence episode. Yeah, was, they're missing somebody that uh, usually interjects with ridiculous things, like Ward. So. Like woos, or yeah. pews. Assuming he's been caffeinated anyway. Yeah, no. There's like, there's really caffeinated Ward, who just kind of spouts nonsense, and then there's not caffeinated Ward, who kind of falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we should move on to you playing in tournaments. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the uh, this last weekend I played in a team tournament for War Machine, which was the, one of the first steamrollers I've played in 
locally in a long time. Like, I think it might have been the first time, because I played one 75-point game at Dave's bachelor party, and I think that the last time I played a 75-point game of War Machine was not this last lock and load, but the lock and load before that. Because you've been playing the Iron Arena, like, different formats. Yeah, because I've just been playing War Machine, and then we had the, like, um, the little slow grow thing we were doing for a while. And we didn't get up to 75 for that. We capped it like 35. So, yeah, it was fun, I guess. Like, played some games, rolled some dice. Yeah. It was War Machine. Uh, but it was really cool having the team format. Like, it's one of those things where I think um, it's probably the easiest way to tweak a tournament to give it a little bit of extra. Yeah. Because you can run the exact same tournament format in terms of, like, your scenarios and your comp and whatever yeah. else. Yeah, but you yeah. add in that team element, and there's just that little bit of extra. It's camaraderie. It's not just yeah. you sitting in a corner. Yeah, the individual games will still run using the same format that you're used to and familiar with. And then, you know, you can get those games out smoothly. There's a little bit more of a narrative between, like, okay, so I lost my game, but how did my how did my teammates do? Like, what are we doing yeah. as a whole? So there's a little bit more of what's going on. Like, okay, you know, you're. I know you've had a rough weekend, but we need you to win this one. Otherwise, we're not in the running or whatever else like there, there's a little bit more of that going on yeah and we got kind of pissed off because there was a team that uh named themselves team wooden spoon and we're like they were going for the wooden spoon well <laughs> they were taking spoiler the spoiler alert they won the wooden spoon but we're like who the fuck do these guys think they are just saying they can walk in here and win the wooden spoon <laughs> well that's win, our trophy win, to lose <laughs> win, win is a very uh uh different word in that context yeah but like <laughs> um it was uh, Nathan, Ori, and myself, and we were under the moniker of Hardcore Casuals. And so we were just there giggling, having fun. Our yeah. first game, we all lost. Good. And Nathan, You're on your way. And Nathan got two control points, and that was two more control points than Ori and I combined. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were off to a really good start. And I what thought, faction were you playing? Mercs. Okay, sure. Like... Do you have anything else? Yeah, you do have other stuff, right? You got I got some Grimkin, but they're not yeah. painted up yet. Gotcha, okay. So, at least not to that size. Sure. Um, and yeah, so we did that. Uh, round two, we're like, all right, let's lose this one too and go for that wooden spoon. And then Nathan won. And somehow I won. And I was like, I haven't... What? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just one of those like really good matchups. And, uh, you know, when... But it was the fucking weirdest game because... Uh, for two turns in a row, I forgot that I put focus on my Earthbreaker. Yeah. So I was just, like, taking shots without boosting and just, like, getting work done. It was fucking wrecking stuff. The next turn, I'm like, okay, I got three focus. Let's boost a hit. I think I needed, like, a an eight sure. on 3d6. I rolled a four. Nice. I'm like, all right, I'll boost the other torpedo. Knock these guys down. Need an eight on 3d6. Rolled a five. Nice. I was like, all right, let's not ever boost again with this guy, because apparently this is when as he goes As soon as you up. boost, he just is like, I can't handle this. It's yeah, too much pressure. It's really bad. Less is literally more. <laughs> what the hell? Right? It was weird. Um, but no, it was a good game. Uh, and then the last round, <clears throat> I lost again, because fuck Rhett, apparently. Uh, but the thing that I really enjoyed about it was that I had kind of grown a little bit salty on the War Machine community, which many people probably would have known. But everyone that was there was laughing and giggling, having a good time, yeah. and it actually made me feel more excited to go back and plan more War Machine events. Yeah. So it was really good. Uh, we ended up winning the raffle because um, they had a raffle for uh, individually. If you had, if you had a painted army, you got put in the raffle. Nice. They had a raffle for if your team was fully painted. 
Nice. And then they had the wooden spoon and then the first place trophies. And our team was one of two teams that were fully painted. So we ended up winning the the raffle for that, which was the Games Workshop paint holders. Or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those things are sweet. Um, yeah, can't have too many of those. Full disclosure, I've never played in a team tournament. My first team tournament is going to be uh, this. You moment. have. You played in doubles tournament. That's a Alex. doubles tournament. It's a team of two. But that's that's where your team tournament, in my mind, is like the uh, ETC style where you okay. have everybody playing individual games. Yeah. I've never played in that format. You're right. I've played in a couple doubles tournaments for sure. Um, I cannot wait. I love team sports. I think that's I think those are the most fun. And I also like the fact that it still comes down to like individual performance to an extent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. So glad that and everybody that I've talked to that's ever played in a team tournament has always had a good time. By far, it is the most positive format uh, in terms of reviews that I've, I've ever talked to people about. And it seems to be a format where you don't have to run the table to win because the odds of every player winning every matchup are just yeah. so astronomically bad yeah. that a loss here or there doesn't completely derail you right from the get-go. Yeah. Did you? Did, was it still on like like uh, list matching style? So like somebody puts down a list, yeah. then you counter. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I'd happily do it again. I really want to do a Blood Bowl one at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that'd be super cool. Let me get my stuff done. I'm in. I'm in. Yep. We've talked about this too. The other thing about playing multiple game systems: if you play a lot of tabletop games, your particular primary game that you focus on, you probably will get better at. Yep. There's a lot of mechanics that follow suit and just uh, knowing dice and that kind of stuff. Uh, playing tabletop games, generally, if you're good at one and you practice one, you'll be good at other ones as well. And other ones make you better at that. There's one. a lot of general skills that transfer, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I still think that anyone who's having a hard time with 40K timing, yeah, take a year playing War Machine with Death Clock. Yeah. Go back to 40K, it won't be a problem for you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. Uh, I know for myself, I've been playing with uh, all my 40k games with a clock. It's very different. Mm-hmm. It's very, very different. Um, just trying to get more turns in to com- get ready for Las Vegas Open because it's going to be a clocked event. Everybody? Sounds like it. Hmm. Are they providing clocks? Yep. Really? Yep. And they're not just going to start going to the clock like with half an hour left in the game? <sighs> so the way, the way Nova did it was interesting. <laughs> Nova had milestones. Um, so the way it worked is they would announce, like, you should be done deployment. You should be done turn one. And if you missed two milestones in a row, you had the option to request a clock. Really? Okay. That's the way it worked. Okay. So basically, if you were behind schedule. It was interesting, though, because I'm not sure I totally like that either, because if you um, miss a milestone, right? Well, by that point, you're already pretty far behind the eight ball. And now you got to go get a clock, and then uh, you, on top of that, you also... One of the things that might be useful is you may want to take some time in the beginning of your first couple of turns to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Some uh, armies are way more yeah, I don't know. first turn alpha strike, whatever. We're That's on another complete, rabbit hole. Completely different uh, tangent. But yeah, you're, you're right. Play play War Machine. So I'm assuming this was Steamroller, Death Clock, everything? Yep, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan was talking about Death Clock when we were talking about earlier today some of his games and how they went. Hmm. Yeah, yeah he one, won one of his games on the clock. And one of his games ended with one guy had three minutes, the other guy had like two, so clock management and everything. I think that might have been his first game that was like really close. Yep. Where they got really close to the end uh, for time and, and all that. So time management definitely came into uh, helping determine how that went. Which is super funny because both of them were playing like almost the exact same list that was lo- maybe like. 15 models of just mm-hmm. war beasts. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how? Because <laughs> there was an extended rules discussion in the middle with the clock running. Yeah, that's fair. 
That's part of it. But yeah. So in War Machine, this is a game we're rabbit holing a little bit. But if you clock out, do you lose? Is yep. it chess rules? Yep. Yep. You just straight up lose. Yep. Ooh, interesting. But the thing about War Machine that differs from 40K is that your victory conditions yeah. um, are attainable to win the game. Yeah, like depending on in scenario, a turn. if you get up by five points on your opponent, the game can end prematurely that way, or assassination. Yeah. So it's not just clock is the only way to prematurely end the game. Yeah. Yeah, because it's interesting, 40K, your opponent just basically can't do any voluntary actions. Yeah. I guess prematurely isn't even the thing. It just... Abruptly ends the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the trick with War Machine is that the victory conditions can be achieved effectively any turn. Interesting. And once they're achieved, the game ends. So, um, you can go to seven turns, and then the game's over, and you figure out what the scores we are. We should play a couple games of, of War Machine here and there, just with my convergence. Yeah, sure. We should try it. Get a couple more games in. That would be good. It's just... Again, more games are good games, right? Yeah, speaking of speaking of that, how was the second day? So the second day was specifically a charity event that we ran for um, Blood Bowl out of the Tabletop Cafe. So oh, it wasn't at the Stratham Church? Well, the War Machine one was. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then, the so Blood these, Bowl were not, these were not connected at all? No. Oh, you just had a packed weekend. Yeah, it was just a really Gosh, busy weekend. I thought they were part of the same event. Um, Jesus Christ, I'm looking at a lot of Oilers goals right now. Um... That's amazing. It makes me really happy, and the names on there are great. Anyways, yeah, no. So we uh, um, we've been advertising for a little while. The idea was that it was a charity event where you could use donations to buy rerolls, and it was actually a sevens format Blood Bowl. So Blood Bowl sevens, you play with seven players on a smaller pitch, and so you get less money to buy your team. And then also it uses the like in season rules for buying things like rerolls or coaches, where if you look at the roster, all the costs become double. Okay. So it's very hard to start with any rerolls. So it forces you to buy the charity donations to get your rerolls. Yeah. And what was funny is that we just had it where your first reroll per game mm-hmm. would cost one donation. And we had it set up where it was you would just, like give all your stuff and then you'd figure out how many donations you had. Uh, because the high demand items from the food bank we counted as two donations each. Yeah. Whereas whatever else would just be one. Um, which was a really cool thing to do because we got a lot of stuff that the food bank specifically was asking for. Yeah. Um, and then we counted like a dollar was a donation. Um, but your first reroll was one, second one was two, third was four, fourth was eight, fifth was 16. Gotcha. So on and so forth. And where it got really funny is if you used one, a second one in the same turn, because typically in Blood Bowl, you're not allowed to use more than one reroll in a turn. Yeah. It was four times the cost of what it was supposed to be. Oh. So you could rap- rapidly, if you wanted to just reroll everything, go psycho. So in my first game, <laughs> uh, Ty was just like, fuck it, do another reroll, do another reroll. And I'm like, okay, just let's just go through and stop for a second so you know how much you have spent on this game. Yeah. Uh, and it got to the point where he would have had to do. The 64 donation reroll for the last one. But it was funny because he went, he failed to go for it yeah. on the goal line to win the game. <laughs> so nice. he's sitting Damn. there and he's like, I'm like, oh, do you want to donate for a reroll? And he's like, pulls a 20 out of his pocket and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's just add up how many you've spent and figure out what the actual cost of this is going to be. <laughs> and it was something like 60 bucks to win this game of Blood Bowl. Yeah. And he's like, fuck it, we'll tie. <laughs> um, which was really funny because I had that situation happen to myself later in the event. And it was something like, uh, I think it would have been 30 bucks for me to re-roll that go for it on the goal line 
to win the game. That's hilarious. And I was like, what do you think? And most of us ran out of our donations in game like three or maybe four. And so we're just throwing cash at the thing. Yeah. Uh, And I'd already thrown like an extra 20 bucks in to get some more re-rolls. And I was just like, I, I, I can't. I can't because when you, when you're thinking about it in terms of like so I can spend thirty dollars to, to have a a one in, or a five and six chance of winning this game of Blood Bowl. Yes, and it's not like rebuying in a poker tournament where you still get a chance at like this amazing cash prize. No, it was just fucking you're a Blood Bowl tournament. Winning a game of Blood Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but also helping out the food bank. That's yeah, the thing that's the thing. I also like that is you don't. Yeah. It's like I have a five and six chance of winning. Uh, uh, this particular game, but I also have a chance of like really helping out a family. Well, that yeah. part is relatively guaranteed. Yeah, you're gonna do that. So that's what I love about these sort of tournaments is is that incentive is there. Like you know, it's not just the the you, you don't feel bad for somebody winning the game by out donating you to the food bank. Like cool, well, and we were actively, everybody wins. <laughs> I was telling everyone like you better be like. Trying p- buying your win here, yeah. Because that's the, the way entire to do it. point. Um, we ended up having three raffles as well. Um, Jack from Maelstrom Games donated a sevens pitch. Cool. Um, one of the guys, Joe, donated a dinner for two to uh, Ruth's Chris. Well, that's oh, that's interesting. With like appetizers, entrees, desserts, and everything. That's slightly more than your thirty dollars. You should have gone for it. <laughs> that's yeah, <a> lot. <laughs> right. Um, oh, it's a raffle. You didn't. have It was a raffle, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And you would use your donations would count as raffle tickets. Oh, I, believe cool. the, I believe the key to winning the raffle is to buy the guy's book first, right? That's what we did wrong last time. Yeah, or to, yeah, yeah. We, we did not do that right. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And those were done. Um, the pitch was done after round one. The meal was done after round three. And then the cast team that I painted up was the final raffle at the end of the day. And it was really cool to see how many people were just like throwing a couple extra bucks. Or we even had a few guys that couldn't play in the tournament that day, but they're like, I'm going to come drop off some stuff, uh, either just to donate or to get involved in the raffles. Cool. And so there was 14 players there, and we raised 260 bucks cash and 138 kilograms of food. That is uh, disproportionate to the number of players. That is a significantly large human being amount of food. Hopefully, you didn't just like donate a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. If it was 40k, that would make sense because you want corpse starch. That is, a, that is an important in Necromunda. That, in Necromunda, that would be totally legitimate. Yeah, but probably frowned upon by the Canadian government. Uh, it's probably better that you donated just actual goods. Yeah. So, but it was really cool. The guys loved the format. Everyone was really excited to do it. We're now talking about having maybe this kind of thing be in every six months. But like, one time we can do food bank where there's those donations. Other time maybe like doctors on borders or, or local women's shelters. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, because it was a fun format. And at the end of the day, I think I ended up spending twenty bucks on entry, fifty for donations and then threw another 20 bucks down so it's like 90 bucks to play in a great fun day that almost entirely was going to yeah um the food bank the only cost that did not go to the food bank was the cost of the uh patches that we got yeah um the fun little like soup can uh blood bowl balls were ended up being donated by jeremy which was really awesome yeah cool and the five dollar entry fee that we paid the yeah the place to play they got to keep the lights on exactly yeah so any other cent we made went right to the food bank, which is great. And we should probably plug that because that's really cool that they hosted this event. Is this was at King's, which was which this was a tabletop cafe. Tabletop cafe, yeah. The one that I shamelessly promote because it's three blocks from my apartment. Yeah, that's awesome. The fact that they would uh, put up a space to do this, 
uh, where you guys can take over the venue, I'm assuming, for the whole day, basically. Yeah, like 10 to, 10 to 5, really. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Good on them. Uh, and they were great, and they worked their asses off because there was a lot of... It was funny because it was the the same day as the Edmonton Expo. Oh, so, so there for were the, a lot of nerds in town. So for the... Well, but the morning, it was just us. Yeah. For about the first three hours. Because they were preoccupied until, what, like 5 o'clock when they shut down the Expo or whatever? So there was only two staff there. Uh, but around, like, 1 or 2, it actually was packed, the whole place. Yeah. Um, but they were they were great to us. And I love that place because their food's really good. It's, like, really reasonably priced, yeah. too. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I would love to do it again. Uh, I'm just happy that right now I do not have a single thing that I have to paint. Yeah. For the first time in a little while. I'm, well, like, I'm not going to lie to you. If I don't finish that skating team, I'm stealing one of yours. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, although I do, I guess technically I have to paint up some Shades by for Onslaught. Because I want something new. Oh, poor you. Right? <laughs> but at least you have the old band to fall back to if you really want to. Yeah. Uh, but that was really fun. And honestly, anytime you guys can do... If you want that alternate format, think about charity events. Because they, yeah. they're so easy to run. Yeah. There's so many formats out there for different game systems you can try. And it actually allows you to do something good at the same time. Yeah, you yep. don't have to have like you know the hardcore competitive compatible format. If it's all just prize money or like f- something for a donation, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we also had a prize for the guy that donated the most. I think Ty was around like one sixty. <laughs> nice, that's Not awesome. Uh, yeah, so that was really cool. Um, and I'll let you guys know when we have the next one because it's going to happen again. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. And the only other thing that I would recommend: do it in off seasons from when most people are donating stuff. Christmas. A lot of places see a lot of donations, especially places like the food bank. If you're going to do a food bank one, do it at a time where they're not usually getting a lot of donations because yeah. that's when they really need them. Yeah, that's fair. Gonna run out. Cupboards are running dry kind of a thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so moving on to one of the other things that I, I did, I got to partake in my first ever um, online battle report. Video battle report. Video battle report. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, which it should be up. Maybe by the time this is up, because it's going to be October 3rd, I think it's getting posted. So we'll see which comes out first. I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> well, you should I, 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 our podcast, not Ash's video. No, no. I was going to say, you should know how the internet works, So, Like, doesn't it like, like a schedule for everybody? Oh, that just it? happens automatically. That's true. You don't even have to really do anything. No, but his is 3rd or 4th. I'm looking at you for I don't know when ours is going to be going. Oh. Okay. We don't right? know either. Dan doesn't even know. Yeah. It's true, because if I don't get it done before it's provocative. the AMSA painting weekend... <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm gonna be hungover. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Uh, but no, anyway. So it was really cool. I got to play. This is not a test. I got to see Jay for the first time in like eight years. Yeah, I haven't seen that guy in forever. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. It was really cool to uh, honestly play. This is not a test against someone other than Dan. Yep. Um, that game. The more I play it, the more I like it. I'm trying not to take that personally. <laughs> the more I play it without playing Dan. Well, <laughs> Literally anybody else. No, no, I love playing else. it with God, Dan. That, no, it's nothing to do with Dan, but it's like, but it's that thing where if you only are playing against like the same person, yeah. it's no longer necessarily about exploring the game and how the system works, but it's like, yeah, I hear you. you play it one way, I play it one way, and if we're always doing the same thing, it's the game's not really changing, I'm not seeing other rules or yep. different units. The community is somewhat lacking when it's two people. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Especially if it's the same bands over and over. Right. Oh, and Jay and Ash actually painted their shit, where I did not. It's true. 
So there's that. Cool. And I was able to play <laughs> on a really great looking board. Um, spoiler alert, I killed some cats. Yep, that's uh, not a spoiler at all when you're playing the Melmachians. Yeah. Um, kind of, I think, what they're supposed to fucking do. But you have to check out the video to see how many and whether or not it was enough. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, I wanted to kind of segue this into talking a little bit, because I imagine you guys have watched a decent number of different video uh, battle reports in different formats, and God knows is more than enough, right? Yep. And without necessarily talking specifically about different channels, because... Knowing the kind of sass and shade that we throw around, we're probably just going to piss people off. Let's just talk about what we like to see in them. Uh, me. Yourself? I was in, I yeah. was in one as well. Uh, I like to see, and this kind of is a little bit uh, segues as well into like, I got to play on the, the GW stream at Las Vegas Open. Because you're kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Well, I, I My army didn't look terrible. Um, they wanted to show off that. And that's part of what I like to see, actually, is I want to see good-looking terrain. Yep. I want to see the boards not be just like just garbage styrofoam runes and a flat table, which is kind of what I have. Uh, mine, my hills are painted nicely. My styrofoam hills, they're a lot better than your average styrofoam hill. I'm still looking at a flat board and some styrofoam hills in front of me I right now. Underneath. Anyways, besides the point, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If I'm going to watch, uh, you know what? In all honesty, I'd compare this to like. Okay, when I play baseball, I don't play in a particularly nice field. When I watch baseball, I get to see a nice field. Do you know what I mean? Unless it's a Jays game at home. Yeah. Uh, their field's a lot less faded than it used to be. It's true. It used to be pretty gray. <laughs> it, was, it was very gray for a long time there. Uh, but no, I want to see a good-looking table, good cinematography, uh, and ideally painted armies. I'm not yeah. asking for Golden Demon armies, but I want to see stuff that's painted uh, at, at minimum to a somewhat decent standard. I think for me, the biggest thing is you can see what the f- what what the fuck shit is. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, if it's a bunch of bare plastic or, worst case scenario, primer black. Yeah, you can't tell what's happening. I have no idea what's going on. But when you at least have, like, that color. And I think, honestly, if you're painting with the intention of battle reports, paint brighter schemes. It's going to be that mm-hmm. arm's length mentality rather than the close-up. Yeah. Just because that's what the videos are going to be. Lighter colors, higher contrast, right? Yes. Like, this start with primer black and like kind of do a couple quick highlights of dark colors to give yourself yeah, differentiation. Yeah. If you're painting black Templars, you're probably not going to have a great uh, army for camera. Just straight up. Whereas, honestly, like your Imperial Fists. Yeah, they're slightly brighter. Yeah. <laughs> slightly brighter than all black. And have the contrast, right? Yeah. Um, where you can actually see the different things on there. Totally. Um, the other thing that I, I like in video battle reports uh, from a and this is, I'm not an expert in this by any stretch, uh, but the cinematography of it, um, the handy cam, shape camera thing, not a fan of that. Um, at minimum, if you're going to film from your phone, if, if uh, some of the battle reports, and some of the battle reports I do watch because they are maybe potentially more um, higher level players, yep. they don't necessarily have the material to produce or the, the, the equipment to produce like a super high end uh, report. Yep. But, Get a tripod. Even just get like a $5 eBay, a little crappy tripod that you can put the camera on uh, just so you don't end up with the crazy shake cam. Uh, I think that's a minimum step for me. If, if it's to the point where I'm trying to watch the game and I'm getting a little motion sick, not into that. And a lot of that can be mitigated as well with a higher-end camera that has some sort of optical image stabilization. Yeah. That's going to be way less of an issue. Yeah. But, I mean, we're not base jumping here. We don't just need... 
a GoPro, a strap, GoPro strap to your forehead. Like you ideally want something that's a little bit more stable. That's going to allow a little bit more clarity. So you can see what the miniatures are, see what the dice rolls are, that sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, I kind of have like two stipulations. One is either make it a condensed game mm-hmm. where I'm not having to sit through two hours. Like of, the 20 minute thing. Um, I think honestly up to 45 is kind of my sweet okay. spot. Interesting. Cause that's like, I can sit down, I can do some painting and not get completely zoned out of it. Yeah. But if it's a four hour battle report, there may be a bit of a problem there. I have one, st- I have one caveat to that. If you are going to do the full game ones, mm-hmm. get some commentary in there. Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, you're talking about the stream sort of thing, but like the, the GW stream from Nova is exactly what you're talking about. You have commentary, um, players weren't mic'd, which is one of the things that's interesting. I'm not sure how you guys feel about the players making having their own commentary. When it's a corporate stream account, I can see why they don't. Totally. I get that. There's also, you don't want people dropping F-bombs necessarily. What the fuck's that mean? We're not a corporation. <laughs> no, we get nothing for doing this podcast, probably because we swear so much. Yeah, nobody wants to talk about talk to us about anything. Um, but the the other thing though about having those those commentators is you need to have them. You need you do need to have some sort of player interaction. Like even the GW streams, right? They they have a guy at the table typing away on a keyboard uh, that's then messengering it to. Uh, the commentator. So they don't actually know what's happening and they can't ask the players what's going on. Yeah. And there is kind of an interesting point there. Like with a battle report, it's one thing because the, there's not a tournament on the line typically. But if there's a battle report from a tournament, you can't influence the players. You can't ask questions or have commentary. Like, why did you make that move? Well, I'm setting up something for turn two while your opponent's sitting over there listening to what's happening or whatever. Did you really think it was a good idea to move within like eight inches of uh, that model that can charge next turn? Yeah. That yeah, type of stuff. That sort of stuff. You can't, you can't ask those sort of questions. So yeah. I get why they have that sort of commentary. Um, but I don't think anybody's figured that out from like a, a stream sort of thing. And a lot of the more popular stuff right now is battle reports for that reason, I think. Because the battle report can be edited to be more um, direct in what's going on during the game. So Privateer Press has been doing uh, streaming top tables for quite a few years now. Yeah. And I've kind of liked how they approach it where... They almost kind of, I don't know if, how intentional it was, but they have the, um, typically one of the like more rules developer guys <clears throat> that knows a lot about the games and the tournament formats and stuff, and then they kind of throw in somebody else, mm-hmm. so you get a little bit more of that just like general commentary, because I really think if you're doing that commentary, taking the model from sports of having like the color commentator yeah. and the play-by-play. I agree. So you have the two different skill sets, being able to actually interact and talk about things. Yeah. Would be really neat of, so this is what this guy's doing, this is what this guy's doing. Oh, yeah, it's really neat that they're doing this because, like, this is the rule interaction in there, talking about it. So people are not only just listening for entertainment, but they're also learning stuff. It's cool. Yeah. They're getting some background info, maybe on the people. Um, But it also, it's, my biggest pet peeve is those two-hour fucking battle reports where I can't hear a goddamn thing because no one's mic'd. And you can barely see anything because it's really dark and the camera is like six feet away. And it's only the overhead view, right? Like that's the other thing. Oh, the overhead view is great to get a feel of what's going on on the table. But I still think like the little tiny corner camera where they kind of zoom in on models occasionally. Yeah. I really do think you need to have somebody that's able to have like a a steady cam. Yeah. um, That's able to move around the table if you wanted to go top end crazy money. The resources are fine. You can spend... $50,000 $50,000 on a stream for a weekend kind of thing. Cause those, those things are not cheap to produce. Nope. Um, 
But I mean, at the same time, like we're talking about like Ash's battle reports and like the how frontline gaming got on the map with their battle reports were just twenty minute condensed. Here's some of the new units. Here's an army. You sort of um, get the turn recap, sort of a thing. Yeah. Yep. What happened at the end of each turn, and that was how we all originally read our first battle reports. We're in uh, White Dwarf, and it's the same thing. They explain what happened at the end of each turn, and then they have the players uh, recap at the end of the game. Yep. I still read forum battle reports to this day. Like, when people do <laughs> that sort of stuff on DACA, I still read those things. For a long time I did, but, I mean, it's just been so long since I've been out of the, you know, competitive or whatever. Yeah. So I just don't have time for that anymore. I find it interesting, right? Like, I, I actually enjoy it, um, which maybe means I'm a complete weirdo, but I find it interesting. No, my younger me that had a lot more time to sit around on forums definitely enjoyed doing that sort what of thing. What are you saying about me? I don't, I don't have a lot of time, but I do <laughs> sit around on forums. I feel, I feel offended. Okay. Whereas I, like, whereas I like the very descriptive battle reports so I can listen to them while I paint. But yeah, I, I, podcasts are what, are what I listen to when I paint because I don't want to be watching TV. Like I actually find myself watching the game. Yeah. Right? Like I, I have trouble painting while stuff is on the TV. That makes sense. Right? I just don't get around to painting very often. <laughs> Problem solved. Don't paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Any other stuff you guys like seeing from the video battle reports? Uh, you know, the whole uh, Twitch overlay thing that's uh, really popular right now? I actually don't like it. It's It makes sense for the video games to an extent, but I think it takes away a little bit from the board games just because there's there's a lot. You, you almost want the close-ups more than you want all these like multi-angle overview kind of things. Yeah. you need. I think you need a little bit more of the ability to focus on one thing at a time. Because you know what I never do when I'm watching a game of 40K? Because, like, again, I'll, at a tournament when people are playing or whatever else, or I'm at a store and people are playing 40K, I'll stop and watch the game for a little bit because uh, it is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never stand above the table and watch the game. I'm always at a human angle to watch the game, uh, and I wish there was a little bit more of that in some of those overlays. Um, just, again, It's just harder to, get having, harder to get without having, like, four separate cameras. Yeah, I agree. Which is a bit much for somebody, you know, probably doing a battle report in their local store or a basement. Yeah, and I think, I think the big thing that I didn't really think about until we started talking about this is there really is a huge difference between a stream and a battle report. They're yep. very different things, and I, ha- I've really conflated the two until this moment. Um, I think battle reports, uh, like the way that Ash is doing them, um, is probably more my favorite uh, style, even with the camera that's handheld. Yeah. Just because it is the best without breaking the bank in terms of uh, yeah. how to get those angles and that, that, those shots. Yep. Um, I mean, ideally, like, you would have another cameraman with a steady cam, but that's not feasible. Well, there's currently not that kind of money in this stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, maybe five, ten years from now, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of, especially, I'm really curious to see how um, this massive uptick of esports will kind of roll yeah. over into tabletop. Well, I mean, we already see that, right? Like, I mean, you have, um, and again, this comes back to the other side of it with the stream games where you have Jeff and Frankie now uh, doing the stream that isn't the community uh, guys anymore. You're right. They don't have the rules designer or the rules uh, guy there doing the commentary. That's maybe not a bad thing, right? Because they may not be a great public speaker or they may not be able to commentate well. And in some cases, the guy, depending on the system, sometimes the people that do the game design aren't competitive players, first and foremost, either. Yeah. Or they might be thinking about things in a competitive standpoint that are a year from now in the release schedule that they can't talk about. Yeah, yeah. So there's potentially a lot of other issues things for that having... Slip. Yeah, so there's potentially, yeah. like, having somebody that's a competitive player in the current scene versus having a game developer who has to constantly be a lot more careful about what they're saying. Yeah. 
you're going to get a very different style of commentary, I think. Yeah, and I think we'll see probably at the Lost Vegas Open is the next one uh, that'll like, have. Why that didn't he just take the Primaris jet bikes that don't exist yet, but maybe exist next year? Yeah, exactly. You can't say that thing. But I can see them, uh, them being Games Workshop, really cleaning up the way that they do the stream yeah. uh, side of things. And I think again, whoever hits on the right format, um, because esports really has a new, f- the format has sort of been perfected for esports to make it watchable and make it um, the commentary is a lot better for it. Uh, once somebody sort of figures that out and how to stream it and gets you know, like they have what three thousand viewers at Nova uh, at most. Once you hit the 30,000 viewer mark, um, then I think we'll see some, uh, that that will sort of be the format that sticks and holds. And it'll be interesting to see if streaming gets to that point, just because by simple virtue of 40k matches being, you know, the most common right now for the streams in a lot of ways, yeah. but those games take like two and a half, three hours. Whereas if you're playing like StarCraft World Championship matches, a lot of those games are like 5, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I know what you mean. But at the same time, also, like a tennis match can take two, uh, two hours. And it's the same sort of format for a tournament. It's, I mean, their tournament's are over two weeks, right? So, I mean, I could see somebody sitting down and not spending the whole Saturday to watch an event. But at, this, at the same time, I mean, people do Super Bowl parties, right? Where they start in the morning watching the pregame. The game goes for another three hours. Like, okay, I'm going to stop you right time. here. Tailgate parties for War Machine tournaments. Yeah, it's a thing. I I don't like. I know I I've heard of people that had friends over to watch the Nova stream, right? Like they had people over, they had beers, and they watched the games. Maybe played a game at the same time. Um, I totally can see that being a thing, right? Uh, and I've had like I've had buddies over to watch F one races. It's, in my mind, it's not that different. It's not different. No. Um, so I can see this totally taking off. It's just somebody needs to hit on the format. And I don't think the format's quite there yet. It'll be interesting to see if something like Underworlds, yeah. if they have like a major tournament scene for that coming out of GW. For me, because the games are a lot shorter, you can cover a lot more ground in the span of like a 12-hour day and not just have like three games. Sure, yeah. You can show off a lot more of the products. And if you're going in and out of the stream, which I think is more likely to happen with Twitch rather than Super Bowl. Yeah. People like, you might not want to sit there for 12 hours watching a Twitch stream, but if you can watch like an hour long game and see actually a meaningful segment of gaming, yeah, that might be a little bit more like um, palatable for a lot of people, especially those who aren't used to dedicating an entire day or weekend of their life to esports right now. And also the other thing too is is you kind of touch on this the the atmosphere of a of a um, sporting event. There's a roar of a crowd, very different than the like sort of the roar of a crowd at a tournament. You know what I mean? It's that, like, it sounds like a mall. It sounds like being in a mall. Yep. Yeah, you just kind of have that People muffled wall by, of noise. but there's wall no, of noise. Yeah. But there's no excitement to it. I think the, the other thing that's going to be interesting is how you get the background going. Like, how do you make it exciting for people that aren't actively paying attention to exactly what's going on? How do you not make it grating? Because I can, I, one of the things about tournaments that I always don't like is it's always loud, but yeah. it's not a good kind of loud. Like you go to a game, a concert, a sporting event, that's a very different kind of loud. Well, it's, especially with a sporting event, the noise is very much scripted. Yeah. In many ways. Like something happens on the ice. And yeah. And, you and everyone makes a sound. Yeah. Where you, you do not have that at all. Um, in, uh, in 40K or, or any sort of tabletop game, you do have that in esports. Some of these sports in the stadiums and that kind of stuff, you definitely do have the roar of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Because you have the people in sometimes up on the stage, sometimes in a different room, 
Then there's just like broadcasting it to the audience sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the other thing is they need to figure out how to, how to make it actually uh, spectator friendly to an extent uh, locally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So again, I think the battle report in terms of like the pre-recorded thing is actually pretty well figured out. And a lot of these companies like mini Wargaming uh, have, have hit on a good format there uh, and they're making money to an extent with it. Um, it's just the stream thing is interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think that's probably really all we have today. Uh, I do want to do a little bit of a plug because, you know, oftentimes a lot of other podcasts will have, uh, ads or commercials or that kind of stuff. We don't ever have any ads. All of our content is driven entirely by us. Yeah, we lose money on this whole thing. We do. Like, we uh, enjoy doing it. We do it because we love it. Um, we do also have a Threadless store that has all kinds of different swag, um, from T-shirts to bath mats to um, shower curtains to like pencil cases or yep. whatever. Um, the dance baby onesies. There's all kinds of weird stuff. There's all kinds of weird stuff, and there's uh, Dan's put a lot of effort into all of that stuff. And frankly, if you guys love our podcast and want to be able to support us, like being able to um, buy a few things off of there, so you can support yeah. our podcast and repping our swag, or even just hopefully those few extra bucks helps us cover the costs of hosting our website, hosting our website, <laughs> which, hosting our uh, actual podcast. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you that don't know how to get to the store, uh, if you go to hobbynight.ca and click on the shopping cart, it'll bring you right there. Yeah. So yeah, that'll redirect you right to the threadless starter shop. And that way, you know, we can keep like, we're, we're going to still keep doing this, but it means we're never going to have a financial reason not to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not paying out of pocket quite as much as we would be normally. <laughs> yeah, really. And that's just, that's exactly it. Um, so I would really appreciate it if you guys check that out. Um, if you find stuff you like, you know, please support us by buying that stuff. Uh, otherwise this has been another episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. And play some games, paint some models and have fun and film it. Ooh, sexy. <laughs>